Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So we're continuing with um, Clean Me. Today we're going to look at being clean on the outside, and uh, we're going to look at behaviours and habits. We all tend to be creatures of habit, don't we? (laughs) Sitting in the same seat, doing the same things, doing the same routines. We tend to be habitual people. We tend to run on automatic quite a bit. Scientists estimate that 40% of what we do is pure habit, which means we don't even have to think about it when we do it. It just happens automatically. We do it automatically. Some of you may be running on more than 40%. Who knows? Um, but think about it. What, when was the last time you thought about tying your shoelaces? It's quite a complicated thing to tie your shoelaces, but you would have learned it probably as a child. And then when you come to tie your shoelaces, you just kind of, your brain runs the tie shoelaces routine and you do it automatically without thinking about it. Try this one. Try, try folding your arms. And now try folding them the other way. Ooh, ooh, me, ooh. Tricky. Tricky. (laughs) Tricky. Because you learn to fold your arms habitually, and that's how you always do them, but then when you have to do it the other way, basically it becomes more complicated. And this is all about things that go from being explicit to implicit. So when you learn a routine, something that's external to you, explicit becomes internal, becomes part of who you are, and you do it naturally without thinking. You do it unconsciously. Um, For those of you who drive cars... Again, that's another great habit, a behaviour you've imbibed into yourself and you can now drive your car without thinking about it, which is quite dangerous when you think about it. Because sometimes you go places and you arrive there and you think, I can't think how I actually got here. And how many lights did I drive through? And how many crossings did I go over? How many roundabouts? And suddenly you find yourself somewhere and you haven't consciously thought about driving at all. These habits become like railway tracks that get imprinted in our brains as we, as we make them part of ourselves. It's a bit like this, um, this driverless metro in Copenhagen. We just, we just jump on the habit train and uh, we go along and we arrive where the habit takes us. Uh, you can define the habit as I've put on the screen there. It's a routine of behaviour that is repeated regularly and tends to occur unconsciously. The habit train comes up, you jump on... You glide along to your destination, you get off. It's all done without you even thinking about the actual habit or the behaviour. So this can be good, this can be positive, because habits release us to think about and do other things. We, our brain doesn't have to think about or do the energy behind that particular behaviour. It releases us to do other things. Uh, when we're running our habit, our brains have got spare capacity to think about and do other things, which means that when you drive your car, you can have a conversation with somebody in the passenger seat and not worry about whether you're driving properly. You can think about who's going to be voted out the traitors. You can do all sorts of things as you're driving along in your car and not consciously have to think about changing gear, steering the wheel, changing, you know, clutch pedal, all that sort of stuff. Quite complicated behaviours have become imbibed in you in the form of a habit. And so you just run the drive car programme and off you go and you 
and you just go along and do that. That's fantastic. That's the way habits work. And you can apply this principle to anything, knitting, sports activities, gaming, all these sort of things. The reason footballers miss penalties in under-pressure situations is because, because an implicit thing, a thing they can do 100 times over in practice, suddenly becomes an explicit thing. And they overthink it, and they, where's the ball, the foot, the uh, goalie, and everything gets very complicated, and they miss the ball. Or a, a goalie, uh, a golfer will miss a, a very short putt because something which has become habitual has broken down under pressure and become explicit rather than implicit. So all these habits you've all got, you've grooved them into your brains and you use these habits day in, day out to help you run your lives. And habits can be really, really helpful because they release more potential in your brains. But also they can be harmful if we sleepwalk into activities that aren't particularly beneficial for us. We can find ourselves maybe habitually doing things that aren't particularly beneficial simply because we've grooved these habits into our lives. We can find ourselves doing something toxic and then thinking about how on earth did I end up here? How did I end up doing this thing again? And what's happened is we've kind of jumped on the habit train, arrived at our destination, and we've arrived somewhere potentially we don't want to be. The problem with the habit train is once you get on it, it's really hard to get off until it's reached its destination. The Apostle Paul expressed this frustration in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And so he's expressing something in the human nature that we can find ourselves doing things, potentially habitually, that aren't really helpful for us, aren't beneficial, aren't really helping our well-being. So habits can help us do things that are good, and habits can also take us places we don't potentially want to be. Now, I want to show you a little video, <clears throat> which is all about the way habits work. So uh, pop the sound up and we'll just quickly watch this video. So if you're like me, you probably have at least a few bad habits you would like to break. But it's tough because no matter how hard I try, I seem to slip back into the same old routines again and again. In the last decade, we've learned a lot about how habits work. That's Charles Duhigg, author of the book, The Power of Habit. And in particular, we've learned the neurological structure of a habit. He says that we tend to think of habits as a single thing, but actually... Each habit has three components. There's a cue, which is like a trigger for a behavior to start. And then there's a routine, which is the behavior itself. And then finally, a reward, which is how our brain learns to encode that automatic behavior for the future. And one of the big differences is that for years when people thought about habits, they focused in on the routine, on the behavior. But what we now know is that it's these cues and these rewards that really shape how habits occur and how to change them. And Charles says that whether we like it or not, this kind of habit formation is endemic to our brain. And what it will do is our brain will latch onto a cue that it associates with a behavior and a particular reward. And over time, that cue and that reward become more and more and more sort of intertwined. Particularly part of your brain in the basal ganglia will relate them together. And the behavior that's associated with that, that will just sort of happen automatically. But Charles says the good news is we can also use this knowledge to our advantage. There was a big study that was done about how to create exercise habits. And so what they did is they told a group of people, okay, first of all, choose an obvious cue. Always go running at the same time every day or put your workout clothes next to your bed so that you see them first thing when you wake up. And then they said, and then go for a run or go work out. And when you get back from exercising, 
give yourself a small piece of chocolate. Now, this is kind of counterintuitive, right? Because people who are exercising are trying to lose weight, not eat more chocolate. And yet what the researchers knew is that their brain needed that reward. Their basal ganglia needed some reward. And what they found was that people who ate a small piece of chocolate after coming home from a run or a workout, they were much more likely to start exercising habitually. So according to Charles, whether you want to break a habit or start a new habit, the key is to divide the habit into its component parts, cue, routine, and reward, and design it for the result that you want. So that's a quick look at that whole aspect of cue, routine, and reward. So the first thing is the cue. This is the, the start button on the behavior or the habit, the three, two, one, start, press button, go. And then our brain runs the routine. This is the thing we tend to do automatically or habitually. Um, it's what we recognize really as the habit. And then we get the reward. Why do we do the habit? What's the benefit of doing this particular habit? What's the reward? What's it about this particular thing that our brain likes? And then we end up with this grooved repeat pattern, this closed loop, whereby the more we do this, the more we like the reward, the more all these things become intertwined. So let's think about some habit examples this morning, shall we? I've got two. Now, if you happen to like these habits, don't feel guilty, okay? I'm not targeting you. These are just two possible habits, okay? I'm not saying whether they're good. I'm not saying whether they're bad, okay? The first one is social media scrolling, okay? Social media scrolling is our first habit. And our second habit is the glass of wine habit, okay? Social media scrolling and glass of wine are two habits that we might all end up doing. So let's think about these for a moment. These are our routines, if you like. These are things that we do maybe habitually without even thinking about it. I've had a busy day. I've just had my evening meal. I'm feeling a bit stressed. I want to switch off. So I run my media scrolling routine or I run my glass of wine routine. So there's a whole number of possibilities why I run these routines. Let's think about the cue for a moment. What, why might I run the social media scrolling routine and the glass of wine routine? Any ideas? Boredom? Escape? Escape. Want to switch off, feel frustrated, feel a bit stressed, feel a bit lonely, feel a bit devalued. A whole range of things could be going on that basically are the start button for either of these two habits. Reward. What's the reward of these two habits? Well, maybe you might, perhaps you feel a bit more relaxed. You feel a bit less isolated. You feel a bit less stressed. You might feel um, some sense of comfort. You might feel some sense of escapism. You might get a chemical boost from scrolling and seeing some likes on your feed you might get a bit of a chemical boost from the alcohol. So there's a whole range of things going on here in terms of reward. So whatever the reward is for us, this tends to groove these habits into a cycle. Our brain likes them, so we start to build a bit of a routine in our thinking. And the brain will want to run the routine again and again and again because it likes the reward it gets when it runs them. And the more we repeat the habit, the more grooved it becomes in our brains and our lifestyle. And at some point in the future, I might find myself scrolling through my phone or holding a glass of wine without 
really thinking about how either of those happened. I'm holding the wine or I'm scrolling my phone. I didn't make any conscious choice to do either of those things. I just find myself doing them habitually. Anybody been there? Ooh. <laughs> a, few, a few half hands then. A few half hands. Let's talk about rewards for a moment. We don't often talk about rewards in church because reward sounds a bit unspiritual, doesn't it? Because we're supposed to do everything we do altruistically, without reward, because that's what Jesus would do. But actually, Jesus talked an awful lot about reward in the Gospels and the apostles talked about reward as well. Let's have a quick look at a few of these. So in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will <clears throat> reward you. So there is a reward Jesus talks about for seeking God in the quiet place, in the secret place, an audience of one before God, choosing to go to God and spend time with God. There's a reward Jesus talks about in that activity. Again, more words of Jesus. Love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So when you choose to reflect God's character in your behaviours, in the way that you relate to people, choosing to be good to those who might not be good to you, there's a reward Jesus talked about in the fact that you're choosing to model your life on the character of God. In fact, a great reward Jesus talks about there. Again, Uh, In the book of Hebrews, that faith's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So we live by faith and not by sight. We draw close to God. We believe in God. We trust God. We seek after God. And again, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, if we do that, there is a reward. And one more for you. Matthew 16, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. So there'll be a time when God will look over your life and he will reward you in the way you've lived it and the way you've stewarded what God has put into your hands. I find it really comforting that we worship a God who understands reward and also that he's made us to understand and respond to reward. So when we think about habit formation, the fact that we're wired for reward is really, really important. We might not fully understand the nature of these rewards that Jesus talks about, whether they're experienced on the earth, whether they're experienced at a later time in eternity, but the principle of reward is really, really important. We do something, an action, and there's a reward linked to it. We said before in this series, we can't make God love us anymore by the way we act. We said that over and over again. We're not trying to make God love us or accept us anymore by changing our behaviour. What we're thinking about today is how can some of the things I do naturally or unconsciously be more in line for God's plan for my life. So just keep that in your minds, the thought about godly rewards Paul captures in his letter to Timothy um, something around the nature of of reward. He says this, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So we can choose to live in a way 
that's got value in the present and in eternity. We can choose to imbibe habits and behaviours into our lives that are good for us now and good for us into eternity. So going to the gym, physical training is of some value, but one day you won't have a physical body. But other things are good for eternity, is written here in this, in this letter to Timothy. So in reality, maybe some of the things that we're doing habitually have no real long-term value. They may give us a bit of a short-term reward. We may feel a little bit better when we do them, but they have no long-term value. But what Jesus encourages us into is to look for behaviours and habits that do have long-term value. Things like throughout the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about reward, 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 reward. And all these rewards are linked to things like praying, serving, being generous, being gracious, fasting. All these things, he says, not only have an outworking in this present life, but also they have a value into eternity because they're reflecting the nature and the character of God. And so habits that are aligned with God's character and God's values ultimately have a greater value and a greater reward. So let's think about Jesus for a moment. He, it says in the scriptures that um, he withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That was his routine. He did this regularly. And his reward was his communion with the Father was deepened. He says, I and the Father are one. So Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We don't know what the cue was for this routine that Jesus ran. It doesn't tell us in the Gospels. But we can probably guess that Jesus recognised the need to retire and connect with his Father because of the pressure of public ministry and the pressure of people and the pressure and stress of the crowds and the threats he was living under. So the queue could have been a certain time, a certain place, a certain level of stress. But whatever it was, Jesus pressed the go to private places and pray button, and off he went and did this routine habitually and regularly. And it produced a reward of a deepening communion within him, which enabled him to sustain his ministry under incredible pressure and stress. So this was a godly routine that Jesus, as a human, imbibed into his life. And he reaped the reward of, being, of that godly communion and power in ministry. So as we're thinking about Clean Me this morning, let's think about the outside of our lives, the habits, the behaviours, the rituals that we run regularly and sometimes unconsciously. And at the start of the year, it's a great time to think about and do an inventory of your habits. What do you tend to do? What do you tend to do regularly, repeatedly, over and over again? Sometimes beneficially and maybe sometimes not so beneficially. If you can do an inventory. Is there a habit you want to stop? Is there a habit you want to start? As you think about this year. I said in, in 2 Peter, God's given us everything we need, everything we need to have a life aligned with God's values. Everything we need is in God for us to live a life aligned with God's character and values. And he encourages us to add things into our lives. He says this, 
Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. So as we're thinking about maybe removing less beneficial habits, we also need to think about what are the things we want to add into our lives. What do we want to add in to our lives? So, so we can use the cue behaviour reward cycle and think about for ourselves what's going on with a particular habit for you break it down into the cue the routine and the reward what's the behavior you're doing what's the reward that you get and what's the cue isolate the cue when do you do this thing when does it tend to happen what triggers this behavior to start running this particular routine and the question around reward is can I get this a different way this thing that I'm I'm longing for maybe I'm feeling lonely I'm feeling isolated can I get that sense of community a different way is there a, a better way is there a more godly way to get to the reward than the one I'm particularly doing right now the woman who met Jesus at the well in John 4, she had a, a physical thirst. She went to draw water from the well, but she also had a spiritual thirst, which Jesus met and talked about as they had communion at the well. What are the thirsts that you have that are behind your cues? They're causing you to run certain routines at different times. What's your soul seeking at a particular time? Because understanding that and unpicking that is really, really helpful. So as we isolate the cue, we can think about when does it happen? What triggers it? Does it always happen at the same time, in the same situation? Most cues fall into five categories. They're location, time, emotional state, other people, immediately preceding action. So if you find yourself doing something habitually, go upstream and go, well, what just happened? What triggered this particular behaviour? You might have a really difficult conversation with someone and you find yourself running your habit to feel better, to feel comfort about that situation. You might feel, feel you're angry or frustrated, you run your habit. A certain time of day, a certain location is the cue that causes you to run your habit. So as you try to think about the cue, you can say, well, where were you? What time was it? What was my emotional state? Who else was around? What action preceded the urge to do this particular habit? And so we can start to unpick some of our behaviours in this way. All really helpful questions when we're thinking about habits, particularly that aren't helpful for us. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to turn off the autopilot and get back in the driving seat of our lives. We're trying to turn off the autopilot and say, okay, I don't want to sleepwalk into things that aren't particularly beneficial for me. I want to be active in driving this train, driving this car, driving my life. I want to make active choices. So we're trying to get our brains to think again about why we do certain things at certain times. So next time I'm feeling stressed and bored and lonely and I want to run one of my social media scrolling routines or my glass of wine routine, I go, oh, hang on a minute, 
hang on a minute, what am I feeling? What am I feeling here? What, what, what's going on? And so rather than just running the routine, I pause and I bring God into the equation. I break the link between the cue and the routine. I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling bored, I'm feeling undervalued, whatever it is. The cues are all there, but I take a moment to just go to one side and say, God, I'm feeling this stuff, help me. I'm feeling like this, comfort me. I'm feeling lonely, would you come and be with me? I'm feeling frustrated, would you come and give me peace? I'm breaking the link between the cue and the routine. Now, I may still choose to scroll on my phone I may still choose to have the glass of wine, but the difference is I'm now back in the driving seat. I'm back in the driving seat and I've brought God into the habit or the routine. I'm approaching it in a completely different way. I'm now empowered to make choices. I've turned off the sleepwalking. I've turned off the autopilot. I'm bringing God back into the equation. This is really important, guys, because so much of what we do We do automatically. We do without thinking because our brains love that. Our brains are lazy. They want to do as less work as possible. So we just love the fact that we can just switch into autopilot for the majority of our lives. Our brains love it. But we are called to be actively stewarding our souls, our intellect, our emotions. We're called to be present just as Jesus was present and be very much in the driving seat of our lives. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. And we've got this imagery throughout scripture of as we walk with Jesus, we're continually trying to take off old things that aren't helpful and put on new things that are positive. It's a continual thing we do throughout our walk with Jesus throughout our lives. Put off the old, put on the new. When we follow Jesus, no one presses the clear button in your life. You might have brought things into your walk with Jesus that really aren't helpful, but they're habitual. No one presses the clear button in your brain, in your background, in your childhood, in your, in your history. And so we have to actively think about how do we steward, how do we, how do we put in place positive habits and think about how do we deal with the ones that aren't so beneficial. A lot of us use habits as coping mechanisms for pain in our lives, for things that have happened in the past. We need to identify what the cues are and try and begin to break those habits down and bring them before God. And we don't do it alone, we do it with the help of people, we do it in community, we do it together. And that's really where we can see transformation and change happen on the outside. As we do this, think about, we talked about this last week, belonging, believing and behaving. These are habits that we carry as Christians, but they're also influenced by other habits and other feelings and visions and potentially ungodly beliefs that we carry as well that affect the way we do these things. So maybe talk to a church friend, talk to a trusted friend about how you want to change. What's a habit that you want to wrestle with at the start of the year? What's something you want to turn off the autopilot on and get into something more beneficial for you? I'm just running out of time, so why don't we stand together as we come to land on this today? The power of the gospel is we don't have to be shackled to bad habits. Jesus promises to come by his power and empower us to live differently. We've got everything we need in God to live differently, to change our old ways of thinking. 
Jesus can build new habits into our lives that produce godly fruit and are really fit for eternity. And so habits are a way of welcoming God into our lives on a regular basis. Um, Oswald Chambers said this, the right thing to do with godly habits is to immerse them in the life of the Lord until they become such a spontaneous expression of our lives we're no longer aware of them. So we imbibe things of God into our lives so those are the things that we do unconsciously. Those are things that we do without having to think about them. Those are things that our brain naturally turns to. Those are the routines that we run because they become part of who we are. So I'm just going to pray as we come into land, guys. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your the wonderful sense of being with us, God, through all the different expressions of church this morning. And God, as we think about our habits, as we think about our behaviours, God, would you come and would you help us to step back and uh, maybe see where we've got things that we're doing automatically that aren't helpful? And would you empower us, God, to put in place godly habits that will help our well-being, that will help sustain us, God, into the future? God, we want to be back in the driving seat with you in our lives, God. We want to be active uh, stewards of, uh, of our bodies, of our thinking, of our emotions. So, God, we pray for your grace to do this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>